Hello coders, welcome to episode 135 of the How to Code Well podcast. Why are we at 135? Well, I'll get to that soon when we start talking about the change log. There has been an error with the counting. But today we're going to get on to an interesting topic, a topic that I haven't really mentioned or discussed at all in in any of the videos that I've done, and that is Web3. Web 3.0. We're going to talk about that and my thoughts and my opinions. And we're also going to uh, break down the show into three parts. The first part, we're going to do a, a new thing and it's called the change log. This is where I'm going to talk about certain things that have happened to the How to Code Well platforms in the last few weeks. And then we're going to talk about some news. I've got some some news around PHP and other bits and pieces around the web. And then we're going to crack into the Web3 stuff. So first of all, the uh, the changelog. Let's talk about the changelog. The first things that have happened. This is like basically like the housekeeping stuff. Uh, so the November PHP YouTube shorts are all done and scheduled. So... What I've done is I've created one YouTube tutorial per week, which is a short, it's a 60 second uh, short tutorial, and it focuses on PHP 8. On Monday, we published the named arguments tutorial, and that's done super well. It's the best uh, short that I've done in terms of viewers and interactions and stuff like that. So we're going to continue those on. And I have... uh, Null safe operator. I have obviously the named arguments that's gone out. Uh, union types. So these are all tutorials that uh, I'm going to be putting out. And uh, there was there's one around some uh, PHP internal server checking and other things like that that we'll do. So yeah, do check out those if you haven't done so already. They're six, like I said, sixty second short tutorials that focus primarily on PHP eight. And I am going to continue doing other YouTube shorts in the meantime that uh, if I can answer technical questions in in that kind of format, that that's what I will be using those for as well. Okay, so with the change log, I'm also going to discuss some things that we've been doing in our previous live streams. So we did a live stream, oh gosh, Tuesday. <laughs> This this week seems to have gone on for quite some time. Uh, Tuesday, and we we've been working on our new PHP eight course, and that that's been that's working quite well. It's it's a course specifically on PHP sessions. So if you're new to PHP, then uh, this one is for you. It's a beginner friendly course, and I think I've done most of the code work for it. I'm planning this course as well on on YouTube, which is quite an interesting thing to do. And the next stages will be styling um, styling the course and running some some uh, static analysis checks on it and other code tidy up things. And then obviously I need to eventually get around to actually recording and ch- chopping up the lessons. And this is this course. You end up with a, a very I, I don't want to use the word basic, but it, it, it pretty much is a very basic sort of login, logout process where it teaches, as I mentioned, the PHP sessions. So 
in order to get to a certain point, which is the dashboard, the user dashboard, you need to be logged in and you need to have an active session. And that is that mechanism of logging in, logging out, going into a secure area. These, those are the things that I'm going to be teaching in this, in this course. And as I said, I'm, I'm, I'm planning this live on YouTube um, on the Tuesday. So we've done two already. And the ne- like I said, the next one that I'll do next Tuesday is around doing some static and static analysis of this and doing some code tidy up uh, and other bits and pieces. So that's going to happen next Tuesday. We've also been working on the howtocodewell.fm website. This is the website that um, this podcast is on. And I've recently changed it to run Symphony, and instead of the static analysis, sorry, the static framework which was Sculpin, um, the static uh, static site generator which was Sculpin that it was on. And I've also come up with certain things that I want to do, some new features that I want to do in the future. So we we've kind of closed off the first. I don't want to use the word sprint. It's not really that agile. Um, the first phase, shall we say, of work, I'm calling it phase zero. So that's getting it from the Sculpin static site generate, generator to the Symphony and getting that all running. We're now moving into phase one, which is the next phase. And that will include a search page. It will include integrations with the YouTube API, um, and I'll be doing all of this live. Uh, I probably will be doing this stuff on Twitch. So this is happening on the Sunday stuff. So yeah, it's it's a very busy time in the How to Code Well space at the moment. So do do check out those streams. I'm also pushing things up to to Rumble and um, Odyssey and all, all of that jazz too, just to sort of diversify the the content platforms that we'll get onto in a minute. <laughs> So moving on to the news then, um, there's some really interesting things that are happening in the PHP space, one of which that has got my attention, and I have mentioned it actually today, and that is uh, PHP Stan, which is a static analysis tool, an auditing tool that you can use. Version 1.0 has been released, and this includes uh, level 9. So if you've ever... If, if you haven't used PHP Stan, let me just explain. So you have various different levels that you can you can analyze your code against. And each level has, it, it, it analyzes it in, in more uh, rigorous way, right? So level zero, level one, you're not going to find much. Level two, you'll probably find a load. Getting all the way up to level eight, you know, that's that's a chore. That's difficult. And as I've, as I've mentioned before, what you want to do is you want to do it level by level. And, you know, you want to fix all of level one, then fix all of level two, then fix all of level three. I've worked on projects where we went right to the top and we had literally tens of thousands of errors. That's a bad place to be, obviously. So you want to be stepping back and going through the levels and stuff. It's great for static analysis and, you know, checking your code. It will speed up your code as well um, in the sense that the fixes that you make will make it more um, uh, strongly typed and therefore, by definition, it will run faster. Anyway, so version one of PHP Stan is out now 
And this will include a series of uh, features. Now, these features, as I understand it, of level nine at least, are opt-in features that you can opt in via configuration. So version one isn't like this, you know, a big bang release. It's like this is with this, with this, you get the opportunity to opt into other other features that aren't yet um, active in the, you know, on the, on the, on the default version. It's you, you have to turn these things on. So these things include stuff like um, unused visibility scopes. So this is brilliant, right? This will pick up code that is dead, <laughs> dead code. I mean, that's really good. So you, PHP Stan is, it will help you to make your code cleaner and smaller uh, generic array function stubs as well is going to be one of those uh, features as well as recursive array type detection, which means that you can, you know, recursively define the types within your comments or your, or, or what have you, your annotations, if you will. And it will, it will check the code against that, which is great. And there's loads more. I've got to, I'm going to put a link to this, this, uh, the, the, the release notice in the, in the show notes which is which is good um and then we can kind of like slowly move into the web three things because the last two pieces of news they are kind of web three esque the first one is to do with uh reddit (laughs) and uh so so a, a new reddit employee this week mentioned on Twitter and I say mentioned created a thread on Twitter that was eventually removed saying that um, they, they've joined the crypto team of Reddit and that the the karma will be done through the blockchain now this annoy now I'm not gonna move into any depth of that because like I said the thread was removed and I think it would be not my place to talk about that in any great detail in terms of the technicalities because obviously that being that thread has been removed and therefore that that's not going to happen straight away but the interesting the thing that caught my attention with this whole thing is the the fact that there is a mainstream website reddit for instance everybody knows reddit everybody who isn't even a techie knows reddit right and they are using or considering the the blockchain as a, a a means of of interaction shall we say with with their users so web3 has always been this thing for me that has kind of like bubbled up and i kind of take a little bit of notice sometimes and then i dismiss it sometimes i've just shrugged it off and gone this will never happen to be honest, the majority of the time it's been completely over my head and I just haven't really understood it. And I guess I don't uh, really understand it, to be fair. But I'm going to try and delve into it as much as I can today. There was another thing that also pushed me to talk about this, and that was to do with uh, a Discord announcement as well that they are going to have integration or they, I shouldn't say they are going to have, they are considering an integration with Ethereum, with Discord. Now, the, the, the thing here is that Discord is, 
in my opinion, is a very interesting company anyway, because it, I don't think it's making... I don't know anybody who pays Discord. <laughs> I don't know how Discord makes money. And I think this is this is an interesting way for them to to generate income uh, using the blockchain and using Ethereum to do so and using the service contracts and stuff. Jason, uh, is it Citron? Jason Citron, the CEO and co-founder of Discord, teased a tweet showing an, an Ethereum integration with Discord. Again, I'll put that in the show notes too. So it kind of makes me feel that, you know, Web3 is coming. It's on the horizon here and you can kind of, it's more than just bubbling up to the surface it's kind of you can see it you can smell it you can you you it's like you're seeing it through the the haze the mist and a lot of people a lot of people including techies were mad furious that reddit and discord are considering crypto uh, as uh, their kind of catalyst or their 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 means of generating income or their new technology and they have their arguments and yes there is an environmental argument as well and yes there is a scam argument that you can you can talk about i'm more interested in the technology rather than that because i i think that if you look what's looked looked at the things that have happened in the past in terms of web one and web two, and we'll talk about what they are or they were in a minute. They all had problems. They all had problems and they, those problems are still there in some cases, but the, there has been technical solutions for the problems that they had in some cases. Does that make sense? So for example, when we started the web back in the web one days, you know, you had massive buildings that were just server farms or, or not server farms, mainframes, right? So if you want to point the finger of the environmental thing, look at where we were when the web first came out and then look at where we are now with things like electric vehicles batteries that last for more than 24, 48 hours doing crazy tasks. And then that was only a small period of time. So what I'm, what it gives me comfort knowing that that has happened and the challenges that the environmental challenges that we have now with crypto and everything like that go, if you, if you, if you extend that period of time out the way, I would like to think that we would have solved a lot of those issues. And so the concerns and the arguments would become non-arguments um, whenever that happens. That's my kind of rose-cheeked, sort of rose-tinted view on on that. But I think, I think it's best to discuss what Web 1 and Web 2 are to then have, a, to then gain a ground, bit of groundwork to know where Web3 is headed. And the first thing I'm going to say is that Web1 and Web2 and Web3 are just conceptual ideas. They're just ideas. They're just ideas. They are not the technology. They are the ideas. 
the technology obviously makes that those ideas happen and those concepts happen but they though the technology can be changed and pivoted and moved if those ideas aren't fulfilled and so you you end up with this i guess list of requirements and if the technology doesn't fit then you choose something else so what i'm saying here is that crypto and the blockchain are not the only things for web3 they're not the only things that power web3 because web3 is an idea and a concept and it goes far beyond the blockchain so let's think about web1 for the for the for the most part let me just uh move my notes so i can actually see <laughs> can actually see what i'm talking about so web1 web1 you can kind of class that as static as read only web1 was done when we didn't have any mobile apps we didn't have a mobile phones we didn't have any kind of inter- interaction on the mobile sphere of the internet we hadn't even had Java, uh, javascript or css right in the early days of web1 web1 everything was very static um it was very read only you couldn't interact with the things that you were reading think of it like a phone book and you were literally reading or just think of it i suppose as wikipedia you were just reading wikipedia articles and you were interacting with those articles using hyperlinks that was the most advanced piece of the early days of web1 was the hyperlinks as things progressed as companies started seeing that there was actually interest in in having a a web presence we started moving into web 2 now that there isn't really if you look at different articles on the internet there there really isn't like a a start and stop of a cold start and a cold and a hard stop of of uh, when web stopped and when web one sorry when web 1 stopped and when web 2 started that you can't really draw that line there's no line in the sand to say oh and today we're on web 2 nobody got up and went you know what today we're going to go on web 2 that never really happened the ideas merged and web 2 is an evolution of of web 1 web 2 solves a lot of problems of web 1 and the problems of web 1 stemmed around the fact that you couldn't actually interact very well with whatever you were doing online you couldn't save anything <laughs> like you would you would you would interact more with the browser than the actual website now in web 2 the browser is just the tool that allows you to get onto the get onto the web page and then you interact with the web page and not the browser like back then in web 1 the forward and back buttons were the were the were the thing that you you relied on the history whereas now in web 2 that's not a not, that's not a thing because in web 2 you have cookies you've got sessions you've got database uh, interactions you've got you know it, it becomes more dare i say personalized of an experience 
Yeah, and and this is te- this that you can kind of quote um, coin this as the uh, if if Web one was the read phase, Web two is the write phase. So we're writing things to the database, we're saving things to our profiles that we now have on our website. We're putting in our credit card details, right? We're buying things. We're 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 interacting with other people in a digital space. We are pressing the like button. Or, hey, YouTube, how about the dislike button? We're doing that too. And we, we're also commenting. We're writing comments. We are building ourselves a profile, a dig- digital profile, which wasn't really a thing that we could do in Web 1. So in Web 1, like I said, very read-only, very, very, very basic, you know, very basic. Everybody was kind of on the same level. Web 2... You can now create your own profiles. You can now create your own influence. You can now create your own brand on Web2. You can buy things on Web2. Web2 became mobile first, right? Because people started interacting more on their mobile phones with the web than on desktop. Again, all of this is conceptual ideas. This is just, you know, people are people were like how do we get more viewers on our website? How do we get people buying things on our website? Okay, well, we're going to need to have a database of users. Okay, so we're going to need to have some, some security. Okay, so now we need some encryption. Okay, so, you know, do you see what I mean? It's, it sort of builds and builds and builds and builds. And the technology behind it adapts to the demands of the of the users the end users and the companies and i'll talk a little bit about demand and supply in a second because that's quite an interesting thing now web 2 like web 1 has its own problems <laughs> web 2 uh, and because you can save and create your own profiles companies were like hang on a minute we can also track the users and track their clicks and track their movements and track their history. And, you know, storage is so cheap. So let's just put it all in there. Let's offer storage. You know, let's give everyone S3 buckets and AWS accounts and all of that fancy stuff so they can do, do, do interesting and wonderful things as well. And, and so you, you you end up with companies having their own walled gardens within their own spaces. So, for example, you you some people I know are more geared towards Google, right? They want Google Docs if they if they're doing any kind of note taking on on the on the web, they'll go for Google, right? Google Docs, Google Spreadsheets, or if they're interacting with someone else they'll go for Google Meetup, you know, Google Meets. Same with Facebook. So there's people who are Facebook fans. They, you know, they, they'll interact more with other users, but on the Facebook platform. And Facebook and Google and, and, and all of that, they, they've all created their walled gardens. These are gardens that are really nice when you're in them, they're very difficult to get out of them, and they're very difficult to interact with other walled gardens. All right, they're they're very difficult to. I mean, you can even see it from 
the social media networks. Again, this is another thing that happened in, in Web2 was social media. But in terms of sharing and interacting with multiple uh, social media platforms is very difficult. It's a, it's a difficult thing because there are these barriers between these, these platforms. You can send a link, a hyperlink, again, back from the web one days to one social media account, but you're, you're not sure how that's going to be displayed correctly or if it is going to be displayed correctly. A, a, a brilliant wall garden uh, example is, is Instagram. <laughs> it's Instagram. They will, to a degree, only allow you to, sh- to, to see posts via the app. It's very tricky. They don't make it easy. It's almost like they've made the website of Instagram really hard to bloody use because they prefer people to have their own app on their, on, on the user's phones. And because it's Facebook, they have a bunch of tracking going on and they're not just tracking what you're doing on Instagram. They're tracking what you're doing on other platforms as well. And of course, the the walled gardens just grow and grow and grow. So you've got Instagram, you've got Facebook, you've got you know Ocular. You you now have this this metaverse thing. So Web two has a series of problems with privacy, with things being too bound together, either bound together or very coupled apart, like de- very decoupled. So that you, you, they either integrate, integrate well amongst themselves, but they don't integrate well. Um, you know, you can't move one account to another account. You can't, you can't create your own profile once and then share that with other platforms. You can't just take your, you know, why do I have to put in my bank details to every single platform? Why can't I save that in a secure location and then move that and share that with a platform that I choose same with other details of mine, you know, why do I have to conform to other people's walled gardens essentially? And then you've got then, and then you've got interaction with human beings and interaction with bots. You have the problem of, of all the bots coming, you know, trying to interact with you and trying to fake accounts and all of that jazz. So there's a lot of, there's a lot of issue and there's a lot of monopoly going on. And there's a lot of like companies are trying to, to, to tailor the web in ways that suits them, but not everybody else. So for instance, Chrome, Google, again, trying to dictate how websites use various different things tools i read one one uh, not so long ago about uh, google chrome considering or or i think i think it's more than just considered now but preventing people from from using the right click view source preventing that from happening i think it's only at, on the machine level on the enterprise level at this stage but imagine imagine a browser that has a huge market share taking away a functionality like that. They've also done a similar thing with the confirmation dialogue, the alert message that is going to break 
a lot of sites that require that message, that dialogue box. And it's got the backs of a lot of educators up. I mean, I'm an educator. I do, I teach code on here. And so having that sort of dialogue message being removed and having view source being removed is not great when you're trying to educate people on how to write code well. Because you can't just say in your video, right-click view source, because that doesn't work anymore. Or you can't say, you know, you can't have a dialogue box saying, saying, uh, do you want to go to the next phase of the course or something like that, you know, which often we do, we, we have. So when you've got companies that are dictating the direction of the web to best suit themselves rather than the whole entire web, the community, it becomes quite, quite a bad place to be. And another thing, though, that is very interesting is that there are some Web 2 technologies like JavaScript, for instance, and, and, and CSS that have evolved themselves in their own right. And they've evolved to the point where they are actually creating and generating what we used to be paid a load of money for in Web 1. And they can do it on the fly. So, for instance, Web 1 was all static. It was a static. Everybody had static sites, static sites. Well, with JavaScript, with React, with Gatsby, you can generate static sites. You can generate Web 1, which makes me think that when we get to Web 3 and where Web 2 was all based, is, is uh, centered on, on saving things to things. So interacting with APIs, something I haven't mentioned here is, you know, the, 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 the interactions with webhooks and, and APIs when you're sending requests to different services. When we get to Web 3, it might be a case that there is someone brings out a framework that does that for us. So like why I don't, I don't think anybody would, would consider building a static site, which is very, very complex, complex right now, unless they were doing it in Gatsby. And so I wonder if the same thought process would happen in web three, you know, where perhaps I, one day I would say, I very much doubt anybody would be building um, APIs anymore, unless they were very complicated. And then it would be through this framework that just generates these, these APIs. And I know that there are already things already that do that, but in my opinion, they don't do it particularly well generating APIs. There's always a lot of overhead and fluff that you have to deal with. It's not as simple as just building your own stuff. But I, I wonder if, if Web3 will bridge that. But anyway, we're, we're getting off the point here. Web3, the next one that comes down, down the line, solves some of the problems of Web2. And this is going to be, well, I can't say this is going to be. Again, this is just a concept. It's just a series of ideas. The technology behind it will change and evolve and adapt. So they're talking about it being more decentralized, meaning that it's not going to be just, it's not, not just going to be, you, you don't just log into one thing and it's a walled garden and you can't move your data from one thing to another thing. It's going to be more sort of decentralized, meaning that you have more ownership of the data that you want to share and give out, which is great. It's a good thing. It's a good thing, which, which hopefully would become more privacy centric, hopefully. 
And I feel that it's going to be more community-based. So think of it like small little online villages. And I think that we'll see little communities being built on the blockchain or another technology that uh, surpasses the blockchain. And I, I think you'll be able to share your data from one village to another village quite easily and securely and safely, which you can't do at the moment. You can't just share your data from Twitter to Facebook. You know, you can't just share your profile. And also, it's not just social media. It's also the fact that you sharing your healthcare data from one thing to another. There's there's so many different different things that Web3 could, could tap into. It's not just looking at a website on a desktop. It's, it's sharing personal information. We, I think, as a civilization, have got to the point where we are comfortable enough to put our information on the internet, wherever it may be. However, I think th that we are still concerned with the ownership of that, and we would like to retain that ownership. I also think that Web3 is going to be uh, more machine-based. It's going to be more machine-based, and those machines will have a, an understanding of the users that use whatever it is that Web3 has, but also is more aware of the user's environment in which they're in. So, for example, you have, you have image recognition right now that will be able to detect certain things of a of an image you know whether you're holding a dog or a cat or you know whether you're outside or inside and so the machine where who however you're sending the information to will be aware of that will be aware of the things around you and are aware of you yourself and be able to alter and adjust its your environment as well as the you know the, the environment that you're interacting with which I think is pretty spacey and cool, to be honest. I also think that um, moving a little bit into the sort of the hippy-dippy stuff, it's also going to create some multiple realities, online realities. And it's not just a case of I'm brand whatever, and this is my brand on Facebook, and this is my brand on, on Twitter. It's the fact that you can actually have multiple personas and share small parts of those personas amongst each other. And, and I, I kind of got this idea from the metaverse thing. I watched that um I, I watched that thing that uh, Mark Zuckerberg gave, you know, and I, I kind of left there thinking, what, what what was all that about? That was a bit mental and crazy. But you can kind of kind of see that you could build your own persona, your own avatar, if you will, your own collection of 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 digital assets, and share that amongst various different online villages, as I've mentioned. This brings me to another point about digital assets, as we've, as I've just mentioned here. I, I think that we're going to eventually, and this is me getting onto some really, some crazy stuff here, but I think we're actually going to get to a point where we are more concerned with our digital self than we are with our physical self. 
And therefore, the value of our digital self becomes more than our physical self, which is a bit sad in some ways. But just think about this. At the moment, we are very materialistic. We're very material driven. It's the brands that we wear. It's the it's the shoes that we have. It's the it's the style of our life that we 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 portray. And we're taking photos of that and putting them on Instagram. And we're trying to be someone that we're not in the in the Web3 virtual villages that I'm talking about here. I think there'll be more levels of immersion and therefore there'll be more people. I suppose there'll be there'll be more. T- we, we'd call it screen time in Web2. But actually, I think there'll be immersion time in Web3. We're become more immersive in what we do and therefore we we have more of a higher we have a higher value with the 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 sneakers the shoes the trainers the watch of our avatar in the digital space than we do have with the watch the shoes the sneakers the trainers the t-shirt the brand that we are wearing in our physical space because we we are interacting more with more people online and therefore we want to we value our digital personas well we will eventually in my opinion far more than our physical and i think when we get to that point things will start to really ramp up and change and yes you can look at it like oh you know that's actually quite a sad reality but I think that's just a reality that may happen. And I think with that, there's going to be a bunch of challenges and stuff. And so I, I'm kind of skirting around the NFT stuff right now. <laughs> but that's essentially where I think that might go if it does go well. And there's a big, re- there, you know, there's a big possibility that it won't go very well. <laughs> but if it does go work very well, then that would probably be the catalyst for it. It'll be, you know a unique thing that I have purchased on this particular blockchain or whatever it is. And I can then take that with me and with my profile and go from one place, one, one online village, if you will, to another and take that with me. And nobody else can take that because that's mine. And I have proof that that is mine. You know, (laughs) It's a bit, it's a bit, it's a bit of a, you got to think well outside the box here on on, on these things. I also think that Web3 is going to be more artificial and um, artificial in the sense that um, it's going to be driven by intelligence that we, um, that uh, coders have created um, that are aware of the users and aware of other, other devices that are around as well. And um, so here I'm talking about artificial intelligence and we, you know, things will be happening in an automated way. And I really think that you need to look about, look upon this outside of the space of just an online website, you know, with artificial intelligence, you've got all sorts of things such as setting temperatures, moving cars, you know, we've got things that are driverless and, different different things will happen because of that you'll have different safety standards you'll have all sorts of different things going on and and i think that's a that's a good part 
And, but primarily, though, I think that Web3 is all about owning our data and taking it from one place to another. That's essentially, basically, in a nutshell, I think Web3, where that's going at this current time, I may be completely and utterly wrong. I probably am, because I think it's a fool's game to try and predict where any of this stuff is going. What you can do, though, is just look behind you and see where you've come from. Like I said, Web1 is very static. Web2 is very, you know, writing it's, you know, so you got read for Web 1, write for Web 2, and you could argue that Web 3 is going to be execute, as in not execute, as in not, not, not the bad kind of execute, but the good kind, as in to, to, to create an application or do something and then have that on the, on the blockchain and for, for good and uh, share that, infam- that, that around and be completely and utterly control have have complete and utter control of that thing that you've just put on i'm going to say blockchain again but it could be anything it could be it could be um, whatever service uh uh that you use and i do think that the environmental concerns of the of of the crypto stuff will will um dwindle i think that it's going it's getting better and better and better i mean i have been reading some really interesting articles that are very i should warn you they're very gun ho with the crypto but they are making all sorts of interesting claims such as the the amount of transactions now on some of these things are far greater than the transactions of visa that's going to scare the pants off of these huge corporate companies who are controlling the money online, <laughs> you know. But I really think that Web3 goes beyond the financial. I think the financial has become a, a – it's, it's an interesting experiment. And I think nobody really knows where it's going to go. However, the blockchain is something that has been proven, and there's various different types of blockchain that have both pros and cons and i think we are yet to see um i think i think that will just evolve and i think we're yet to see where that's going to go but i i am very excited for it i am very excited for it i am aware that there is some issues obviously with scamming and and the 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 environmental impact that it's having you know those are not good things but I do hope that the technology will improve and, and things will adapt. Now, there is an argument, of course, and we have to mention this is like, well, you know, do we really actually need this? Could, couldn't we just solve this in a completely different manner? Couldn't we just, you know, if the problem is ownership, can't we just sort, sort that out? Isn't that just a, a, a regulational thing? Can't we just say, look, these huge companies, you're too big. Let's break you down. That isn't going to happen. <laughs> that is not going to happen. The technology needs to be in place for it to not be allowed to happen. That's the thing. That's the problem. It's not a case of 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 saying, you know, Google, you're too big, let's break you up. Or Facebook, you're too big, let's break you up. You know, they shouldn't have got to that 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 size. In my opinion, those sizes to begin with, and have that that sort of dictatorship amongst their users and how their users are using the internet. 
And so I would like to think that Web3 puts those checks and balances in place to prevent the future um, any kind of big corporate conglomerate company, some massive, huge um, agenda-driven, shareholder-driven company dictate how the web is going to go. And I, I would like to think that Web3 is will prevent those things from happening. Anyway, huh, I, I hope that all made sense. I didn't just babble on and uh, confuse everyone. But that's my take on Web3. My take on Web2 and Web1 as well. I'll be very interested to hear what you what everybody thinks, whether it's, uh, you know, whether you're excited or whether you're not, whether you think that um, I should never talk about this again, or whether you want to hear more about my views on certain things. There is a contact form if you want to get in touch, if you go to howtocowell.net, sorry, howtocowell.fm forward slash contact, you can fill out that contact form and we can have a discussion. There's also our discord server as well, howtocowell.net forward slash discord. And if I don't speak to you, anytime soon on either the YouTube live streams or the Twitch streams, then have a very fantastic week, uh, rest of your week, and I'll see you soon. Take care, everybody. Happy coding, and I'll see you again. Cheers. Bye-bye.